You know when you are thirsty, crazy thirsty, it, you know, I, you, you ate something salty, you haven't had anything to drink for a long time, and you're just dying of thirst. Do you ever have that experience? I think I'm going to die if I don't get something to drink. And wh- what do you want when you're really, really thirsty? Not a cup of coffee. The best of times you don't want a cup of coffee, but... Uh, Cold water, right? Am I right? Oh. Do you know that uh, 60 to 70% of our body is made up of water? So when we don't have water, our, our whole body is screaming for it because you, you can stay alive without water for about seven days, but you can go three or four weeks um, without food uh, before you would succumb to that. And, and uh, nothing satisfies like cold water, but, but thirst is also a metaphor for desire. It's a metaphor for a sense of fulfillment. And you can be unfulfilled in life and feel like that, that you have this thirst that, that, can't, that you, you just can't seem to quench. You can't seem to feel good about it. You, you desire something, but you don't have it. I heard a woman telling her story, her, her, her faith story, and, and it was interesting because it was, to me, it was really a story about um, thirst. Uh, she went off to university, and uh, she was studying, and she would get a degree, but while she was at university... Uh, she was looking for something more in her life, and she started smoking pot, and, and that was fine, but it didn't seem to, to satisfy the, the deep need that was in her. Uh, at university, she met Prince Charming, and she thought, oh, this is going to be what, what really makes me feel like I've, uh, I, I have a sense of fulfillment, and, and uh, so... She married this guy, good-looking guy, athletic guy, and, and they had, by all accounts, a, a decent marriage. But, you know, after being married for a while, she's thinking, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't fulfilling uh, what's in me. And so she would uh, graduate, and she would take a position, and she rose in this position to become to become a manager, and she had a lot of people under her, and and she was re- you know very proud of what she had accomplished and what she had done, and uh, she thought, ah, I've arrived now. I, I've got to a place where I'm valued. People appreciate me. I have authority, uh, uh, and and yet there was something left wanting within her, and she thought, well, it's probably children. So they had a couple of children, and motherhood was incredible. Uh, she loved those children, and, and, and uh, one came on, uh, along, and then they had another child, and, and she so enjoyed motherhood. But there was still something that, that, that there was a longing, and uh, she did something very crazy and went out on the edge, and she had an affair, and she thought, maybe this will do. And there's a certain excitement, although it's a, it's a terrible thing, and there's guilt and all the rest of that, but there was this excitement too, and, and finally that ended. 
And she, the, the, you could put the words of the song that Peggy Lee uh, sang over there. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? I'm going through life and I'm grasping at something that's going to fulfill me, fulfill my, uh, my life. And, and nothing is happening. Nothing is filling uh, that void in her life. And all of us are looking for some kind of fulfillment in life, and, and we all pursue different things. It may be accumulating money or material goods or, or relationships that we're involved in or achievements or fame or notoriety, and, and sometimes things like religion. We turn to religion. Maybe religion will fill the void in my life or even good things like volunteerism. I, I, I'll volunteer and I'll give of myself, and, and uh, maybe that will satisfy what what's screaming out in me that says there's something that's not yet right a sense of deep satisfaction that if for for many people is so elusive you just when you think you get it you don't have it any longer well it's interesting uh have we got something it's interesting what uh saint augustine said He he made this statement. He said, You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in you. God created us with a need for him, for something that only he could fulfill. And he says, our hearts are restless. We're going after this or that or the other thing, looking for something that's going to satisfy us and bring us the sense of well-being and peace and all the rest of that, but it doesn't work. And uh, beyond that, uh, Blaise Pascal, the uh, French philosopher, said this. He said, uh, there is is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God. God created us with a hole, with a vacuum, with something that is is looking to be filled, and we try here and there and everywhere, and, and, and it doesn't work. Nothing satisfies our soul. And in the passage that was read for you, and, and I had, uh, I had uh, that read, the whole thing. That's the, the longest account of a story in the Bible. So, so it's, uh, uh, I wanted you to hear the whole story, and we'll touch on different facets about it. Uh, but we're introduced to a woman in this story uh, that is in the Bible who has an encounter with Jesus. We've been talking about uh, people having encounters with Jesus and what that means. And... Uh, what the uh, do you know what would really help with this thing if I turned it on I think it might work better I'm kind of saying what are those guys up there doing <laughs> anyway sorry guys uh, have a water on me uh, so we have this uh, this bold introduction of Jesus uh, engaging this woman. We, we read in, uh, in John chapter 4 and verse, verse 4, it says, now Jesus uh, was going, he was going from uh, Judea, Jerusalem, and he was going back to Galilee. So Judea is at the, at the southern end of uh, Israel. In the middle is Samaria, 
and in the north part is uh, the Galilee. And they're going from south to north. And the statement is, it said, now Jesus had to go through Samaria, which is actually not true. He doesn't have to go through Samaria. And the issue is a little complicated, and there's, there's something that goes back several hundred years. Uh, and, and there was a civil war in Israel, and the southern part of the kingdom and the northern part of the kingdom split. And um, what happened was the, the northern kingdom, uh, they messed up more than the southern kingdom, and God brought judgment on them. He had the Assyrian uh, army and empire come in and overrun the northern kingdom. And what happened when they did uh, that was they took the most gifted uh, the uh, smartest, the nobility, the people with money and ability, and they took them all and brought them into Assyria to be a part of their country. And what they did was they repopulated the northern kingdom with uh, people who were not so, uh, you know, not so uh, uh, well known, not so gifted, all of that. So here what you have is this other group of people that are inserted into the northern kingdom, and in time what happens is um, they intermarry. And for the Jews, that was a really bad thing because they wanted to have like a, a pure race, something that wasn't tainted by others. And, and so what happens is uh, there's, there's this uh, uh, breach between them. The Samaritans, who they called Samaria, Samaria was called the, the capital of, uh, 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 of uh, Samarit, uh, the Samaritans. And, and what happened was the Jews didn't like them. They compromised in terms of being a race that is pure. Uh, they, didn't, they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. They didn't in, in, uh, accept the whole Old Testament. Um, they decided that they couldn't go to the place of worship in Jerusalem so that they would, set, uh, would establish their own place of worship in Mount Gerizim in their territory. And so the Jews didn't like the Samaritans at all. In fact, they, you know, they, uh, they felt that they were polluted and they would have no contact with them. So when, when they're going from the, north, uh, from the south to the north, what a lot of Jews would do, it's a three-day journey. They would go uh, north so far, and then they would cut across the Jordan River, go up the other side of the Jordan River, cut back across the river, and get to their place without going through Samaritan territory. Now, not always, but, but uh, they, they had this aversion to going through there. And, and so what happens is... Uh, Jesus goes, and uh, he's hungry, and he's thirsty, and the guy's going to town. He's at, the, he's at the town of Sychar, and there's a well just south of the town, and it's about a kilometer's uh, walk to go and get uh, water there. So he's, he lets the disciples go in to get food, and as they go in to get food, um, he, uh, what he does is he sits down by the well. And a woman came along. And we're told it's about, uh, it's 12, it's noon hour. The woman comes along and uh, he says to her, uh, would you give me a drink of water, please? And she's shocked. She's shocked that uh, he's talking to her. Uh, he's so shocked for a few rules, uh, for, for, for a few ways. Uh, Jews 
didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. You know what? If somebody doesn't like you, you don't like them back, right? If somebody can't stand you, won't have anything to do with you, uh, they're, they talk you down, they, won't ha- they, they mistreat you or anything like that, uh, they, they, won't, they won't be involved in that. And so, so here is Jesus, and he's going he's gonna to break some rules. And like she's going like, what is this guy talking to me for? For, for one, uh, we don't have anything to do with each other. So that he would talk to me is just, I, I don't get it why he would do that. Uh, she, she, can't, uh, she can't stand that. So she's a Samaritan, he's a Jew. Mm-mm. No contact, no talking. There's a gender issue also, and it's not only ethnicity. Uh, she says, I'm a woman, you're a man. And in that culture, women and men didn't have uh, uh, free uh, discourse in private in, in uh, public places so here is a here's a woman uh and a man and in fact the rabbis were so keen on this that they would not talk the rabbi a jewish rabbi would not talk to a woman even if he knew her he wouldn't greet her in the marketplace or anything and and so there's this there's this gender thing where they don't have any dealings with each other and, and so you're talking to me a samaritan and on top of that, a woman. And then there's a religious barrier. Because to be a Samaritan is not only an ethnic thing, it's a religious thing. And, and they b- didn't believe the same way, and they corrupted some things. Uh, and, and Jesus would t- tell her that later. Uh, and so there's this religious barrier that we don't have anything to do with you. You don't have religion right at all. You don't practice it right. There's, there's nothing that, that you do that is proper in that. And then there was also a moral barrier because Jesus is going to uncover something very uh, unpleasant for this woman in her life. Uh, here, is, here is a woman who is not just a woman, uh, not just a Samaritan, not just religiously not playing by the right rules, but she's a woman who we learn uh, has had multiple, multiple relationships. And uh, something, of course, she doesn't want anybody to know. And, and here she is, and Jesus is engaging her, and he's bro- broken all these social conventions to be able to do that. And the woman is amazed. She's probably curious and somewhat intrigued. What, what is going on? Who is this guy, and why would he talk to me? Why are you asking me? Uh, because uh, a, a, uh, a Jew wouldn't even drink out of the same uh, vessel. So if she's going to get... Uh, a drink for him, he's got to use her tainted uh, vessels to, to drink from. So Jesus knows all of this, and yet he still goes on. And uh, the woman is going to be exposed. Jesus replies to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Isn't that interesting, the way Jesus handles that? He says, if you, if you knew who you're talking to, you'd say, would you please give me water? And, and, and so the, the, he's piqued her interest. Um, she, he said, I'll give you living water. Living water is water that's moving. Um, water that's not living is like in a cistern or 
it could be uh, it could be in a uh, in a well or something like that, but it's it's not moving. Uh, it's it's uh, potentially stagnant, and uh, the woman says, "Well, the well is deep. Well, well, it was deep. It was about a hundred foot deep. He's got nothing." She said, "How are you going to give me a drink? Uh, the well's deep, and you have nothing uh, to do this." And then she says, "Are you greater than our father Jacob, who dug the well? One of the patriarchs." And notice how she owns some history with him. You know, uh, this, is a, this is a Jewish thing, of, and, and he did this. Our, one of our patriarchs, and it's in our territory. Uh, that means it's okay. Jesus says this, if you drink this water, you're going to be thirsty again, but if you drink the water that I'll give you, you'll never be thirsty again, and it'll be like a, a, a spring welling up inside you. Jesus, of course, is talking uh, metaphorically, and uh, as he does so often, people don't get it. They don't understand fully. And the woman says, well, if you can do that, um, I'll have that water, please. Uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't get it, that there's something deeper there. And Jesus says, uh, uh, she says, she says, give it to me, because it's about, it's about a kilometer's walk from the, the, the well that is outside town. And you go up to Sychar. And so here you have these, these women. And they would be carrying these jugs of water. And they'd go down in the cool of the day, in the morning or in the evening, and take it. And here she is. And she's thinking, Man, would that be great if I didn't have to do this all the time? If I didn't have to drag this, these water pots up and down? And uh, have some relief from this drudgery? And part of it is, is just this unfulfilled life, though. You want water. And so Jesus says this, go call your husband and come back. And she says, well, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said, well, uh, yeah, you, you, you've been true in, in that. She, he said, you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. You're living with this guy. Wow, what, what just happened there? This, this uh, can you give me a drink of water? Well, you give me water. I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. And now he, this guy is peeling back layers of this person's life and, and exposing them. She's busted. There's no easy way out of this. And uh, the woman has a reputation uh, when she walks through town, uh, you know, the other, the other gals say, oh, if you see her coming along, grab your husband and hold on tight. You, you can't trust that woman. Uh, look, at, look at her track record. Marriage after marriage after marriage. She's, a, she's a living with some guy now, and that just, that was not copacetic. And, and here they are. And, and this is embarrassing. Uh, she's caught. She's been exposed for who she is. And uh, this stranger has laid her life bare and, and just opened it up in a moment. What do you do when you get caught like that? And, and does that seem like does that seem like cruel that what Jesus has done uh, when when he says that? Well, what do we do when we're we're in that? Well, I I have something and uh, that I do, and uh, it it's. Uh, I don't recommend it, though. It, doesn't, it hasn't worked really well for me. What I do 
as if Gerda is uh, on me about something, uh, that we've got to do this, we've got to do that, or, or, you know, things that affect me, and I don't really want to pursue that. I, it, here's my line. How about them J's? Okay? Now, she's not really a big fan, sports fan, so it hasn't worked really well for me, but what I want to do is I want to get her off the, the, the topic and, and go somewhere else with it, right? So you, you may want to try that if, um, you know, how about them jays during the winter maybe? How about them leafs, you know? Um, what we do is we, we try and sidetrack the issue. And that's exactly what this woman is going to do. Uh, this woman, uh, you know, she's obviously put in a very uncomfortable position. And now Jesus is talking about her and he's talking about her in a very uh, open way. And she doesn't want to be a part of that. Uh, none of us wants to have our, the sordid details of our past uh, pushed in front of our face. So she says, I see you're a prophet. And uh, so now it's time to try and change the topic. Uh, so let's, well, let's talk about something. Uh, let's talk about religion. There's a good topic. Um, we say the place to worship is in Samaria, but you say the place to worship is in, in uh, uh, Jerusalem. And, and so she's going to try and get him off track now. She's going to, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about religion. And, and so what happens is uh, she begins to engage him. And, and there's uh, what I want to call the big reveal we worship in Mount Gerizim. You worship in Jerusalem. I want to detract, deflect the interest. I mean, we do that today too, right? I mean, you can be talking to somebody about a faith issue, and they'll say, well, what about evolution and creation? What about the Bible and science? What about denominations? Uh, what about the suffering in the world? What about, and, and it's a way that people can deflect because they don't want to talk about themselves. They don't want to deal with that. And, and so they can be looking at other kind of diversionary tactics. And, and Jesus looks ahead and he says, look, it, there's a time coming when it's not going to be about where you worship. It, it's not going to be there or there. It's, it's going to be something that happens everywhere because, uh, because I'm going to ask you to worship in spirit and in truth. And there'll no longer be a place. There'll no longer be, uh, there'll no longer be a place that, that is for you or for me. And, and so uh, she, she talks about that. There's an hour coming. And every time in the book of John, the hour is coming, the hour is coming. It's not my hour. So he's talking about his crucifixion. He's talking about his death. He, and he said, the hour is coming. That when, when Jesus will die, she doesn't know what this is all about yet, that Jesus will die, that he himself will be the sacrifice that will bring people to God. He himself will be the temple. He, you know, do you remember what Jesus said? Uh, destroy this temple, and I'll build it up in three days. 
And they said, "How it took 46 years to build the temple. How are you going to do it in three days? He was talking about the temple of his body. So now the, the place of worship isn't about here or here. It's about Jesus. And, and uh, the sacrifice. And, and, and what about priests? Jesus would be the high priest. And, and what about the temple? Well, our bodies will be temple, that we can worship anywhere. I am the one you need, he is saying. Jesus was direct uh, also with deficiencies. He, he says, uh, you Samaritans uh, worship what you, what you think is okay. He said, it's not right. God established worship of the Jews. And so the things they had done, he, he's telling them, that, you know, that you were wrong in that. And you know, we're loath to say things are right or wrong anymore, right? It, everything is right. Everything is right for you, all that kind of thing. But Jesus really told it like it was. And it may seem a little hard to hear him exposing her, but actually it's the kindest thing he can do. Because here is this, here is this woman who has been searching for satisfaction. She's been looking for years and it's been unsuccessful. And her attempt has been men. She looked to satisfy the needs and, and, the, and the desires of her heart in, in that empty place in her life through men and it was one relationship after another relationship after another relationship after another it just kept going man after man one failure after another and it was hopeless Uh, her hopes were dashed and in the meantime there's this situation here she is she's really cut off from the community when, when everybody would go, when, when the women were the ones that went to get the water, and, and it would be something that they'd do together. They'd chit-chat on the way down. They would talk. They would, they would have uh, fellowship with one another, and uh, they would get their, uh, their water and go. And here's a woman in the heat of the day, in the drudgery of that, carrying these big water jugs that, that can hold a, a number of gallons and uh, there she would go. But largely, she's, she's dealing with guilt and loneliness, and, and uh, there's this gnawing in her, a thirst that can't be quenched for all of her efforts. But Jesus meets her, and Jesus engages her, and he exposes her mercifully. She's got to come to understand that the, the kind of things that she has been chasing will never satisfy her soul. The sinful life will only hurt her. She needs living water. She needs the gospel that satisfies the soul. She needs something that will wipe the slate clean for her and forgive her. And and Jesus said in, in verse 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was talking to you, you'd ask me for water and I'd give you living water. If you knew the gift of God. Remember last week, we had Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, if anybody could get in on, on base, uh, to, to heaven to be accepted with God on the basis of his credentials, it was Nicodemus. He, he lived a very upright life in every way, but that would never do. He needed to be born again. He needed God to do something for him that he couldn't do for himself because as good as he was, he was never good enough. And here's somebody at the opposite end of the spectrum. Here's somebody who's, who has a very sordid life. And, and Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, that you can't earn this, you can't, you can't uh, undo the things you've done and make your way back to him. No, it, it's only by the gospel. 
It's only through what Jesus will have done. You need my water, he said. You need gospel water. Your track record isn't good, and you're condemned. But I have water that will cleanse you. I have water that will uh, satisfy your soul. I'll have water uh, that you can't earn and you can't merit it. And Jesus wowed her with that. Nobody would ever talk to her before anyway. Nobody would have anything to do with her. And here is Jesus with his love and compassion and all of who he is. And, And she is special in his eyes. And he reaches out to her. And, and uh, she says, you know, I know they, they had a sense that the Messiah would come too. I know that Messiah comes and when he comes, he'll, he'll tell us everything. And, he, and here's the big reveal. And Jesus says, can you imagine here they are standing alone at this well in the middle of the day. I, the one who speak to you, am he. I'm the Messiah. You didn't expect that. You came like every other day down to drag that, that water up that hill and back and forth and back and forth uh, and, and the censure of the community and the women who didn't want to have anything to do with you and the loneliness and all of that. And Jesus says, I, I'm the Messiah. Listen to what I'm saying. I have something for you. And she is so touched uh, that she leaves the water jug there and boots it into town. And she tells them, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Can this be the Messiah? And we read that people believed on the basis of her testimony. And, and she, she uh, shares that. It's interesting to me that uh, very interesting verse that comes with the woman's testimony When Jesus is hanging on the cross, we read later knowing that everything had now been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. And I don't think it was just physical thirst, although hanging on a cross and and, and without that, there was was something, his body was craving water. I'm thirsty. I think, though, that there's something more than that in there. I think that there's something uh, of Jesus' life. And and, and here was Jesus. Uh, This this wasn't something that he wanted, that that his father had turned his back on him, that that the father had to look away, and, and as he is undergoing the judgment and wrath of God for the sins of the world. There's something that's not fulfilled in him that needs to be fulfilled when when his father turns him away and he, he cries out from the cross, I'm thirsty. I'm longing for you, Father. I'm longing for the relationship that you have that we, we have enjoyed. And now I know that you have to turn away as I pay for the sins of the world. As he hangs in shame and pain and agony, he longs for the, lo- for the Father's loving gaze as he endures that wrath and judgment for our sins, yearning for satisfaction, and that will come. His, what he did, what he gave up, and, and when you look through the Bible, you hear that Jesus gave up, gave up, gave up, why? That we might have. He, he gave up the riches of heaven so that we, through his poverty, may become rich. He, he gave up 
his life with the Father so that he could come and understand us and, 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 and live with us and be among us. He came and he gave his life on a cross so that, that we might be forgiven and that he might secure our salvation. And that yearning for satisfaction will be fulfilled in him. He did this for you. He did this for me. And, and I ought to say to, to all of us here, that there may be some of us who, who are on a quest in our life and we're trying this and that and the other thing and nothing seems to fulfill us and nothing seems to make us feel the way only God can when he fills that place. And I would say to you, if that's you, you need to know that there's a Savior who has living water, gospel water, good news water, that he has done for you what you can never do for yourself. And it doesn't matter how sordid your past is or what you've done. Or what, he, will, he has the power and authority to be able to forgive you, to erase that. And my prayer for you is if you haven't opened your heart to Jesus Christ that you would do that. You would recognize that need, that, that hole in you, that vacuum in you would be filled by him and by what he does. And he needs to go to Samaria. He, he needs to go to that place. He knows. He knows the need of that person. I, I gotta go through Samaria. We don't, you know, Lord, we, don't have, we, can, we can circumvent Samaria. No, we've gotta go to Samaria because I have... Uh, I have an appointment with a woman there. And, and he would touch her life in an absolutely profound way to have a, an encounter with Jesus. Mercifully, he offers every one of us living water. Something that will, that will show us ultimately what the soul was longing for. The woman shares the story. See, well, you know, she really shouldn't be talking about faith issues, uh, I mean, with her background. and She needs to be trained a little more. No, no, no. She is, she is going and telling people, I found the Messiah. I found somebody who has profoundly touched my life. And, and, uh, and uh, her testimony it, it brought people to believe in Jesus. And they came down, they heard Jesus, and they said, man, oh man, uh, we never heard anything like this. Uh, we don't believe now just because of her testimony. We believe because we've heard him. And what do they say? Truly, surely, this is the Savior of the world. You know, the interesting thing was God always had a plan. He always had, had a purpose beyond just Israel, just be, be, besides the Jews. In fact, when they talked about the, uh, the, the plan and purpose of God, when he, when he gave his marching orders, he said, now I want you to make disciples in Jerusalem, in the capital, in Judea, in the province, and go to Samaria. And then to the ends of the world. The, the world. Um, the, he was looking for them. And... and he had a time and a place for them. And here's a woman who's sharing what she can about, about this person who has transformed her life, transformed her life in the community, and other people have now come to Jesus. And uh, the thing is, uh, there's a ready harvest. And Jesus said this, the, the disciples came back and they said, well, what's he doing talking to a woman? 
and we brought food and and uh and he says he has he has food to eat that we don't know of what did somebody bring him food no my 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 food is to do the will of god to do what the father wanted and and here he is in this uh in this place and and uh he says look at don't say four months and then harvest. He said to his disciples, look at, look at the hills. They're ripe for harvest. Here's, here's what I think he was seeing. He was seeing this woman bringing the town down to meet Jesus. He, 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 was, uh, he was talking about a white harvest. Here they are all in, in like whitish gowns coming down. He says, there's a harvest here. There's a plentiful harvest and, and, uh, and we're here to reach out to that. You know, this woman was touched by God. The woman who shared her story that I began with um, came to a place of recognizing that only God could fill what she was on a quest to fill. And, and thank goodness for her. Her life was totally transformed by that. But Jesus has given us a task, and uh, it is to go into the whole world and share the good news of Jesus. You know, the, the uh, disciples didn't really get that. In, uh, I believe it's Luke 17, they're going through Samaria. They're heading down to uh, Jerusalem. It's the last trek down where Jesus is going to be ultimately crucified. And as they travel, they're going through Samaria. But they're going through another part of Samaria. And because Jesus was going uh, to Jerusalem, they didn't want anything to do with them. And, and so James and, uh, and John said, uh, Hey, Lord, these, these Samaritans, they don't want us in their territory. How be we do this? Would you like it if we called fire down from heaven and torched them? I can imagine Jesus is going, you know, what he did for this woman. He's doing for Samaritans. He's doing for others. And so in in a certain way, um, we see what is said in in, uh, 2 Corinthians. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Do you hear that? He gave to you and to me who have come to know Christ. He's given us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore ambassadors as though God were, his, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He gave us the task of representing him and, and sharing this good news. And... Um, and I, I, I said there, um, and this could, it would be a wonderful study to look at what Jesus does and what we can learn about how to share our faith. I'm just going to give you, just quickly, I'm going to give you a couple things that, that can maybe help us in this. To be sensitive to the opportunities that God gives us. The Holy Spirit guides and directs us. Here, here is Jesus. I've got to go through Samaria. Lord, you don't have to. Yes, I do. Um, and we don't know what opportunities God gives us. I remember I was uh, in, in the church I pastored. I was walking home for lunch. It was very close to the church. 
and I had to just give some inf- uh, information to a person, and I stopped. It was it was uh, just very close to our place, and I, and I stopped, and I said, uh, here are the arrangements we've made. Just want to let you know, and, and she said, do you have a moment to talk? And I said, sure. I mean, I'm just going home for lunch, and she opened up her heart, and it was a moment where God brought salvation to her life. And, and I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, I was just going home. I, I didn't plan it. There was nothing. God had an appointment for her. And through my stopping to give some information, she had a deeper need. Um, you see something of the compassion that Jesus has. No one was interested in her, but he was. Do you see how he dealt with the barriers that keep us back from other people, whether they're ethnicity, whether it's socioeconomic, whatever it is, whether it's your religion, whether it's your lifestyle, there are things that keep us away. And Jesus breaks down all of these barriers to be able to penetrate to the heart of men and women. Do you have a problem with barriers? Um, have the courage to reach out. Remember the power of a personal story. What's this woman? She's leading people to Jesus. She's, she's like a brand new. What, what's going on? There's so much we can learn from this that God wants to do through us. And, and so I want to encourage you in that, uh, this incredible story If you need living water, he's here with living water. And those of us who know him and who've experienced that are called to share with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for for the truth of this account of your connection with this woman. We thank you for what you do. We thank you for your love and your compassion and your mercy. We thank you that people who, who don't deserve it are finding grace and having their lives transformed. And I pray that we would, we would work with you and uh, that we would fulfill your purpose in our life as we share that living water with others. In Christ's name we pray, amen.